welcome to Jazz Avec Moi, the podcast where we will talk about everything from life, career, and entrepreneurship from a TCK perspective. My name is Michaela Mutoni, and I will be your host. For today's episode, I'm so excited to speak with a good friend of mine, Moses Kashirawake. Moses is such an inspiring person. He's truly an example of what it means to be a go-getter and to go above and beyond in all that you do. I want to be like him when I grow up. He's very involved in both the Canadian and Rwandan communities here in Montreal, actually, and even abroad, on top of his demanding work schedule. And I really can't wait for you to hear more about him and his philosophy about life. All right. So my name is Moses Gashirawake, and uh, I am a young Rwandan and Canadian. Professionally, I'm trained in political science and law, currently working for a law firm. I've also done some work for McGill, and I still do. And I'm also a board member with um, Canadian Heritage. I was appointed by the government of Canada. Mm-hmm. to uh, give my perspective and advice on racism and race relations in yeah. Canada. So I sit on what's called the Canadian Race Relations Foundation, which is um, a crown corporation or a company that's owned by the government of Canada. And uh, what the Canadian Race Relations Foundation uh, does is to produce knowledge and um, best practices in ways we can uh, create harmony and reduce or end racism and racial discrimination in Canada. Mm -hmm. So I sit on the board, and what the board does is to provide strategic direction to the foundation. Then in the Rwandan community, I co-found the International Rwanda Youth for Development which is another avenue for young people, young Rwandans who live in different countries and particularly outside of Rwanda. So Mm -hmm. in Canada, in the US, Europe, the rest of Africa, Asia, and other places. Um, So it's um, a bridge that allows for young Rwandans to be connected with uh, each other. Mm-hmm. and to also be connected with uh, what's happening in our country. And we focus on economics because yeah. I know we have a lot of organizations uh, doing cultural or social um, activities. We have a lot of uh, organizations that are involved in politics. Yeah, <laughs> We are not a political party. Yeah, So we do the, the business aspect and we do host what has been called the Rwanda Youth Convention. So in 2015, we had one in Montreal. 2017, we had one in Edmonton. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this year, in May, we have one in Milan, Italy. What? That's awesome. Yes. Yes. Okay. So, yeah, so in a nutshell, that's me. I'm extremely yeah. passionate about law, business, and community engagement. That's awesome. Yes. Oh my Thank God. You. So that's got a resume, you know? But it's also Oh boy. <laughs> I don't even know. I just do the things that I love to do. And if it sounds like a resume, I guess that's me. <laughs> no, that, that's awesome. Like, I've always respected how you, and I think we've spoken about this before, right? Like, how you find the time to do all of that and what you have to sacrifice to do all of that as well. Because obviously, you are deciding where to put your time, right? And you, you have made the choice to put your time in these organizations and on top of your job they have that's already like a full-time job. We can talk about that as well. But first, I wanted to start with my initial question, which is, did you always want to be a lawyer? <laughs> that's a good question. The answer is yes. Oh, yeah? Okay, how come? I'm going to shock you. Um, I don't know. Um, I grew up in Kenya. So I grew up as a refugee in Kenya, and the thought of being a lawyer came along the way of me growing up in another country, and 
experiencing a sense of injustice, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And make, being curious about, you know, why people leave their countries and how yeah. they're treated in other countries and the opportunities of education, job yeah. opportunities. So that conversation was something that has always been in my mind, at the back of my mind at least. And then along the way, my academic training and my interests have always been in organizing, finding solutions uh, yeah. to different types of uh, problems. So I ended up finding myself being a class monitor yeah. in elementary school. I never chose myself, by the way. I was appointed. And then early on, I figured I was extremely passionate about making things better, um, mm-hmm. especially on the justice-injustice side of things. And then I just loved it. My parents wanted me to become a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> All African parents want of sons and daughters to become <laughs> doctors. To be completely honest, I really wasn't passionate about that. Mm-hmm. And then I convinced them to allow me to be who I am, and yeah. they bought my story, and then here I am. So yeah, so yes, I've always become a lot in my passion. But then the other thing I've realized is, you know, going to law school and having the law degrees and whatnot, it's just a tool. Yeah, it is. You don't necessarily have to be in court to mm-hmm. advocate for the things that you love. You don't have to to have that particular designation, you could be anyone. Most yeah. of the people that have made a difference in life are not even lawyers. So for me, it's another added layer of opportunity. Mm-hmm. It's another tool that has been added in my toolbox that I can use to achieve end goals for myself, my family, yeah. my community, my countries, and hopefully the globe. Sure, <laughs> I really appreciate you saying that as well. Uh, having a law degree is just a tool because, so when I went and did my MBA, that's sort of what I realized. Okay, yes, I'm learning something and obviously it's valuable, but it's really an asset. It doesn't make me any more different than the other person. It just gives me, I guess, access to different people, access to different opportunities. And it's just, yeah, an extra tool set that, yeah, that I can use in, in my life to try and make things better, I guess. Absolutely. For and, and we definitely need a journalism for a very special place in my life. You did mention with, with that MBA, I'm sure yeah. these doors and places that you can open, nobody else without an MBA can open. So it's very important. It's another asset, as you did correctly mention, that allows you to do more things. But it doesn't put you in a box. Oh, since I have an yeah. MBA, then I have to stick in, in business. Yeah. You can do exactly. other things. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I think also sort of building on to that, and because you also do a lot of community work, for me, the second question then becomes, but what can we then do for the people who couldn't, who were not able to go to law school or who were not able to go to business school, but still have like the talent and need access to the knowledge, right, and then to the education. Those are not the questions that I'm starting to ask myself. Yes, absolutely. And those are not easy questions because (laughs) (laughs) there is no quick fix. I see it as as something you do on a continuum. You know, you do one thing and then the next thing connects with the other thing. Before you realize you're creating a a web or a network of positive interconnections, I think for me, being able to serve as another avenue mm-hmm. for a dialogue, mm-hmm. as another avenue for knowledge sharing, mm-hmm. could be important. I mean, I, I know that sounds a bit elitist, <laughs> and maybe it, it doesn't resonate with, with everyone. Yeah. But one of the things that I think... I've been able to do and I've been able to share with fellow young people and my friends, my family members and my community members Mm -hmm. is to tell them that you need to follow your heart. (laughs) (laughs) If you're really passionate about something, it doesn't have to be 
very academic. Mm. It could be an art form. It could be um, a new innovation. It could be a business. It, it could be anything. Mm-hmm. You're really passionate about something, you mm-hmm. go for it. Look for people that have done more or people that have aspects of what you need. Seek advice. Seek help. There's a lot of people that are willing to help. Trust yes. me. And one of the reasons why I'm here is, is precisely because of that. I knew I wanted to become who I am today, but I really had to seek advice. And it's not even a destination. It's a constant need. I mean, even CEOs of companies, presidents mm-hmm. of countries, prime ministers, of name it. Mm-hmm. They constantly need people that either have exposure or to knowledge about yeah. specific subjects. So for me, I look at it in the sense that we need to constantly seek knowledge, seek advice. Mm. The knowledge does not have to be in the academic sense. Um, mm. It can be, you know, I want to start a business. What are the avenues of funding? Where can I find partners? Where can I connect with like-minded people. Mm-hmm. Where do I find that? Do I pick up the phone and call XYZ to help me? So so those are the things that I keep sharing with young people. Yeah. That you really have to pick one, two, three. There are some people that can do more. Yeah. A few things that you're passionate about or one thing that you're passionate about and then spend the time. Explore. Um, explore. And then it's it's like building a house. You don't wake up in the morning and boom, mm-hmm. it's right there. It's not like magic. <laughs> you, yeah, that's a good analogy. You, you have to be patient, you know, and then you have to have the end in mind. Mm. This is where I am. This is where I want to be. And even when I get there. There is more. There is more. You can help other people to do what you did. Yeah. Totally. Uh, but at the same time, I still advise them to, if you're passionate about law, they should come and talk to me. Okay, that's good. Uh, yeah, so within the Rwandan professional network in Canada, mm-hmm. I serve as a mentor. Mm-hmm. So they send me young people who are either interested in political science, interested in law. Most of yeah. them are interested. And I tell them, you know, this is what you need. This is what you need to do. Or you've yeah. been doing it. Keep doing it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, some of them are really brilliant young men yeah. and women. But sometimes you just need someone to tell you, like, don't panic. You you're on the right path. Just keep doing what you're doing. Absolutely, we need mentors and advisors and name it. (laughs) Yeah, of course. (laughs) What type of law do you do? Do you practice? I I practice business law, so corporate law. Mm -hmm. I'm also slowly becoming interested in, in philanthropy. Mm-hmm. So the work around companies and institutions giving back to society okay, and the legal paperwork that goes behind it. Say mm-hmm. if someone is giving $200 million, that's an example. Yeah. I mean, they have to sign an agreement. And then yeah. how do you take them from point A to where they actually promise to give the gift and then following up? So. Yeah, I'm becoming interested in that. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, people that want to support education, health, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, elimination of uh, inequality and things like that. Yeah, so, mm-hmm. yeah, so business that's... and philanthropy. Okay, <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And when you say um, business law, do you mean like mergers and acquisitions or what's in it? What's comprised? Yeah, what makes up business law, I guess? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, business law is very broad. I mean, yeah. anything. could be mergers and acquisitions. It could be financing. Mm. It could be... Um, so it's sort of like divided into two. You have the transactional aspect of it, mm-hmm. and then you have litigation. So when you have a dispute, uh, yeah. you know, finding a solution, I'm more on the business side, so the transactional yeah. side of things. Yeah. I mostly do uh, financing, mm-hmm. uh, so banking law, you put it that way. 
Yeah. I've also done a bit of, uh, actually a lot of environmental law. Oh, really? Yeah. So companies that are either increasing capacity to be more environmentally um, accountable or sustainable. Mm-hmm. So improving their processes, their systems, acquiring new technology, and this needs money. Yeah. And once money true. is involved, then these they people work. Attract, and they yeah. negotiate <laughs> negotiations around that. And then there's all sorts of things that you can think about. Yeah. Risk analysis, uh, litigation even. But when that comes, we have another uh, department that deals with it. Yeah. Yeah. So I mostly do financings in different industries. Yeah. And then along the way, you know, I've seen companies and clients being philanthropic. And I'm like, that's actually interesting. I've never thought yeah. about that. <laughs> so that's yeah. how you, you got interested in it. Yes. What do you like about your job? I love my independence. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's one. The other thing is working in a team. Yeah. I mean, it's sort of like paradoxical independence and then what? And then a team. team. <laughs> yeah. But the teamwork aspect is, you know, the job is very big. So we divide it into pieces. Mm-hmm. And then those pieces have to fit in together. Mm-hmm. Uh, because on one transaction, you could, you could have many, many issues on one transaction. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, yeah, then you have the different people doing different things. Uh, the other aspect that I love is the opportunities that I get to interact with highly sophisticated uh, people, people that have, you know, created success, very inspiring people, very yeah. smart people that teach me things that I never knew. Yeah, you yeah. feel like, oh, I'm advising <laughs> them, but what do I know? What do I know? I know. <laughs> In addition to doing all of this, they have to follow up with me. Now, this is quite interesting. <laughs> yeah. So um, the other aspect is learning and being able to, to see the change and the impact in the economy and whatnot. Yeah. And travel. <laughs> oh, yeah. So you said yeah. you travel. Yeah. Where have you traveled so far? So I've gone to all of Canada, Europe, Africa. Hey. I'm looking forward to go to Asia. We'll, this we'll is see. serious. I love it. Yeah. This is like real international business. Yeah. Business so it's, uh, it's, it's pretty good. It's, it's a lot of uh, work. Yeah, sure. Lots of uh, learning and experiencing. Yeah, so that's the... uh, Those are the fun parts. Yes. And what do you find challenging at times? Oh, boy. (laughs) Constantly having to to dig in and and finding out new information, uh, the volume of work. uh, Yeah. yeah. So the volume. Yeah, it's uh, you're you're constantly in in a boot camp. But now not a physical one, but a mental one. (laughs) It's an intellectual boot camp, which is good. I mean, you're constantly thinking, but it it can be exhausting sometimes. I'm sure, especially because when you're mentally tired, like that's it. You're quite done. It's hard to do anything. But the good thing is, you know, I've found a way. I've found ways to to be productive. I take breaks. Really? Okay. Because you know how normally, you know, people plan, okay, I'll take three, four breaks in a day. I could mm-hmm. take 10 breaks. When I can't do I just, you know, stand up, go talk to a colleague, or walk around the city, yeah. or walk around the office. I take breaks, I exercise. Whenever I travel, I make sure that I, you know, find something fun to do. You know, make it a lifestyle, because we, we spend so much time in the office. That's so true. If, you know, we end up just, you know, sitting on your desk, you're constantly reading. You're constantly on your screen. Yeah. And then I try to do other things that I'm passionate about in the community. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes. yeah, yeah. So the challenging part is it's time-consuming, mentally challenging, tiring, which yeah. obviously that's work. That's mm-hmm. the nature of work. You have to dig in and, and be tired. Of course. But if you find a way to relax, you know, meditating. Yeah. Thinking about, you know, where do I want to go? Taking some five minutes off to reflect. Yeah, that's actually true. 
Yeah, yeah, like what I like to do when I travel for work is eat well. <laughs> like there I will always choose like a really nice restaurant because I'm like and water. I enjoy yeah. this food and yeah. and you know yeah and and water. I'm trying to do better on the water. I'm not so yeah. good at water. But and then you said you do community work as well on the side. So let's talk a little bit about that because you do a lot of community work. And I guess my first question would be you mentioned earlier how you are part of like the Canadian Heritage and you're part of the board on Canadian race relations. How did you get involved? Yeah, that's a good question. It's very detailed, I guess. But I would say one thing led to another, mm-hmm. um, whereby you, as I, as I did mention, you know, I'm extremely passionate about community work mm-hmm. as it connects to politics and policy and uh, and making things better for everyone. Mm-hmm. As a student, I represented my faculty, so the Faculty of Arts and Science. Yeah. Um, during my undergraduate degree, I was the VP academics. Okay. At that time, I also became engaged into the Canadian political process. Mm-hmm. And then that opportunity led me to become a volunteer for um, different organizations in, in my riding or my mm-hmm. constituency. And then that led to other opportunities on the provincial level and then other opportunities Canada-wide. So you do one thing and then it know, leads up to the good, And then the next opportunity comes and you pick it up. Yeah, and then when the current government won the elections in 2015, yeah, the prime minister, you know, spoke with the minister and he said, you know, I know a young man in Montreal that could be useful in this sense. And then I went through the um, the applications process. Yeah, uh, because you know you have to send in your CV, blah blah blah, and then mm-hmm. um, eventually I was uh, appointed as a board member. So really, I would say when you stick to the things that you're really passionate about, other opportunities pop up. I mean, I never planned yeah. to be completely honest. Yeah, that's I so never even knew that some of these institutions and opportunities exist. Yeah. That is not to say that I say yes to all the opportunities that come. I mean, we have 24 hours in a day. I've yeah. rejected many opportunities that I think, okay, you know what? Give it to somebody else because I think they can do a much better job available. They're more available than me. So I do yeah. references to other yeah. people that I know who are passionate about specific things. Mm-hmm. And whenever those kinds of opportunities come, I do refer them. So I would say it's showing up. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> show up. Yeah. Be on the table and once the meal is being served, you have a, a plate assigned to you. That's so and true. then when the next dinner happens, oh, where is Moses? That <laughs> yeah. kind of thing. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, so it's being on the table and then contributing and then your previous contributions being taken into the next phase and yeah. Yeah, they add up. From what I hear, it's about the consistency. But one question, when you first got involved in like um, the Canadian political proceedings, like at the writing level, yes, were you already Canadian? At that point, I was only just Canadian uh, resident. That's so interesting. Okay. Yes. So I wasn't a Canadian citizen, but at that time I was, you know, taking courses in, in Canadian politics. Mm. Um, so, intro to Canadian federalism, Canadian yeah. politics, and blah, blah, blah. And the more you know the, the structure of yeah. government, the more you horizons and your perspectives open up. Yeah. And then in university, I was extremely active in class. Yeah. And then when one group of students were organizing to run for for office so to become representatives yeah. in on the student union they came to me and they said hey Moses I think you could be a formidable part of our team and this is what 
we think you can do. And I said, let me go think about it because at that time I had a lot going on yeah. uh, in my academic and personal life. And then, yeah. yeah, and then I said, yes. That's so um, interesting. <laughs> and then once I had lived here for three years, I applied for Canadian citizenship. And I got my citizenship, I think, in my first year of law school. Mm-hmm. Yes. And yeah. So I started okay. being being involved even before I became a Canadian citizen. Okay. Because yeah. I knew uh-huh. whatever that happens in my school or the Canadian, I mean, it affects me at the end of it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, as yeah an yeah. immigrant, as, I mean, we had some previous governments cutting programs and funding to different types of immigrant services. So I thought me being there would. And then also the fact that I belong to a minority. I mean, I'm black. And our people have faced constant racism and, and whatnot. So, so yeah. one of the things when I got into Canadian politics and particularly the federal level at the Canadian level, you know, I yeah. told the leadership, I mean, don't give me any position. When you get elected, find a way to fund initiatives that are going to eliminate or reduce racism. So that's one of the things that I really insisted on, and it, and it seems that you know, it's working. Recently, yeah. the government of Canada funded to the tune of $19 million to the black community across yeah. Canada. To, yeah. I mean, so it, it's unprecedented. Yeah. It's not me alone. You know, we had a bunch of other people that were advocating for that. Yeah, so, you know, that's one of the things that I'm really proud of, if I put it that way. Yeah, wow, okay, yeah. No, so I asked you that question, like, whether you were a Canadian citizen or not, because I wanted to get your perspective on it, because I think, like, even me, I know I need to do a better job of it, but I I, I definitely do think that we are privileged to be here and we should play a more active role in what happens around us. So, for example, like I, I only became Canadian last year, so I went. Oh, out. congrats! That, <laughs> Thank that you. Is amazing. Yeah, last good, year, so I went. Good job. Yeah. To, um, to vote, you good. know, for the, that, that's, that's for a good step. Absolutely. One, you know, and then now I'm like, okay, federal. But but then as I was thinking about that, I was like, oh my god, there's so much I don't know. <laughs> 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 you know, so it was like crash course in Canadian politics 101, you know? <laughs> yes, yes. Because even though I was a resident for so many years, I guess I just was, I was like, well, I can't vote, so I didn't get involved. But I guess you show, you lived the example of, well, even if you're not a citizen yet, well, you are still a person in this region, in this city, and you can still get involved on some other levels, if it, even if it's at least to influence those who can vote, you know, or those who do make the decisions. Absolutely. So I think that's a very valid point. And I think, like you said, again, especially considering like, yeah, we're immigrants, we're black people. Most of the time, our communities were not even really educated. Like I'm not even so educated on like what's happening. And yes. so it's like, how can we take on that accountability, like that personal accountability of educating ourselves and finding the information and, yeah, being involved. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I agree with you. And it's one step at a time. I mean, you begin yeah. by being active in the sense of, you know, even waking up and voting. That's a big step. There's lots of people that have never voted in their lives. Yeah. And it it really has a huge effect on how decisions are made about us. If we yeah. stand up and and do things and have a critical mass of racialized youth or people that stand up and we fight for gender, you know, things yeah. will start changing. Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. for sure. For yeah. sure. And so now you said, like, as part of the board, right, when you guys discuss the different topics that are pertinent to, I guess, race relations in Canada, you said at the end you sort of come up with recommendations. How does it work exactly? Yeah, so the Canadian Race Relations Foundation is 
a non-profit organization and yeah. uh, at the same time it's a government owned company that yeah. operates at arm's length from the government okay so it it has a special status it was created from what's called the Japanese Canadian redress okay um in during the second world war some Japanese Canadians were interned from western canada yeah into different parts of uh, canada and they faced you know ro- lots of uh, difficulties they were removed from their properties and they were taken to different uh, places to um pretty much be engaged in uh, in what i would call slavery so they were mm. uh, extremely discriminated against mm-hmm. so the japanese canadian community negotiated with the government of Canada mm-hmm. and i think in the 1990s uh the conservative government of uh, Brian Mulroney accepted to tender an apology to the Japanese Canadian community yeah and then they created foundation initially it was uh going to be an endowment for Japanese Canadians but then the Japanese Canadians say you know we are not the only ones experiencing racism in Canada mm-hmm. or have experienced racism in Canada so we're mm-hmm. going to extend this organization beyond the needs of our community yeah so even though their own community is a very small community within Canada they decided to to do something as big as that so That's they, amazing absolutely so they gave that community 12 million dollars and then the government of canada so the community gave 12 million dollars and then the government of canada marched that amount mm. to create the foundation so a 24 million endowment established the foundation mm-hmm. and the government of canada pays the executives and the officers that run the foundation on, on a day-to-day basis Okay. And then they also appoint the board of directors. But the work that the foundation does is a hundred percent at arm's length. So I would yeah. say independent from yeah, the government. Exactly. So we are not influenced in any way by the government. Yeah. Uh, and what we do really, we do environmental scans. We do yeah. different types of studies. We work in collaboration with other organizations. non-profit organizations government institutions to yeah. look at uh, the different things that are happening in Canada for example anti black racism is one big thing mm-hmm. religious discrimination so you know muslims and yeah. jews and other people so that's another big topic so interfaith dialogue and multi-faith dialogue is one of the other big studies that we have done Mm-hmm. So what we do we really provide my role as a as a board member we create the strategy on how the organization must run and then the implementation is done by the officers or the executives so we have an executive director and then the different yeah. for that work at the foundation you run an annual conference we hold to parliament what directly with the office of the minister and our work is really focused on producing best practices mm-hmm. and knowledge and how for example we say you know you can say you're reducing racism yeah. but if you're not funding organizations to empower the work that they do then i mean it's cyclical yeah. you know, one government comes in and another one comes in and you know the same state of affairs remains if you're not re- removing the barriers to access to education access to training access yeah. to the different types of economic benefits that long have been engaged in um in in creating some sort of inequality really in, in the canadian society then if, if we're not funding organizations that are trying to for example get young black people that struggling with say managing a job and going to school so how do we do that so yeah. an organization that inspires 
young people to get off the street. You know, there's different ways that can be funded to empower or to create capacity for organizations that are trying to to lift up the racialized communities. And mm-hmm. yeah, and studies have shown that you know good programs are programs that have sufficient and sustained funding that yeah. can be measured through saying, okay, we allowed 70 scholarships mm-hmm. that enabled 70 young people to focus on school only as opposed to, okay, work. go to school and I'm working. And, and I think it's one of the biggest um, yeah, for sure. challenges for new people. immigrants mm-hmm. and uh, low-income families whereby mm-hmm. Someone has to balance a job and training. Yeah. And sometimes even not being able to finish or finishing, instead of finishing a four-year degree program in four years, they finish it in 10. I know people yeah. that I found at Concordia and I left them at Concordia. Mm. And when you look deeply into the anatomy of the issues, because they come from low-income families, single-parent families, yeah. And in many cases, they tend to be people from uh, marginalized communities. You know, yeah. indigenous people, the other yeah. big file or the other mm-hmm. big thing that we do is Canada's reconciliation with its indigenous people. Yeah. It's, it's a big. There's a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, we could talk and talk and talk, but that's. That's a summary. The summary of what we do. That's great. And on top of that, you found the time to then go and found the iRide. Is that how you say it? Yes, it's it's iRide, right? Yeah, okay. What inspired you? What pushed you to find the group, the the non-profit? It's a non-profit, right? Yes, it's a non-profit organization. So in 2014, I had the rare opportunity of being part of a delegation of young people mm-hmm. that traveled to Rwanda mm-hmm. to connect with the leadership of Rwanda. Mm-hmm. I mean, I had not been in Rwanda since 1994, so it had been 20 years. 20 years, yeah. Yes, so physically... I had not gone, but mentally, trust me, because in Rwanda. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I follow, I've followed what happens in Rwanda, and I keep doing it. Even before this interview, I was watching the latest <laughs> speech by the president at the national retreat, you know, the annual So it's, uh, yeah, um, so I'm really interested. I care about my country. Yeah. So in 2014, when we went to Rwanda, I was really inspired by what I saw because in 1994, if you ask your parents, I mean, we were young, but I could remember part of it. I mean, it's a country that had lost a million people. You know, the economy is is on its knees. I mean, you know, the, the situation was close to Rwanda being relegated into failed statehood. And then fast forward in two decades, I go back and... Rwanda looks like some sort of, uh, you know, an oasis in in a desert, so to speak. High-functioning systems of governance, infrastructure development at supersonic speed, women representation in in leadership, both in government and the private sector, open governance. I mean, you know, despite the challenges, and and I'm not saying Rwanda doesn't have any challenges. Yeah, of course. It does. But looking at where Rwanda was, where we have been able to be and where we hope to go, I mean, I was like, I need to do something. Yeah, we have come, <laughs> we have come from far, for sure. Yes. So I said, how could young Rwandans who are not on a day-to-day physically present mm. in Rwanda, how can we Contribute. Contribute. And how can we inspire others to do it Mm. remotely? I mean, we live in a highly globalized world where you don't have to physically be in a place to connect. I mean, I haven't seen you in probably one year, but I mean, we're connecting. I feel as if we're together. We're taking it to the next level. So using technology and the relationship that we had created with 
the leadership. I mean, you know, this is a conversation that I had with the president of Rwanda. Yeah. And I was mind blown that the president <laughs> was could give his to a, to a young person who has no experience, who hasn't been in the country for two. I mean, <laughs> I was really honored and humbled. And, yeah. and I said, it's a challenge that you've given me because he was saying, I mean, you young people in Mumahanga, in yeah. Mumahanga means abroad. The foreigners abroad, yeah. You know, what can you do? Uh, and I said, you know, give me, give me three days, I'll send you a proposal. No and way! I did, yeah. <laughs> and when I did, he said, you have my support, 100%. Yeah. And 2015, he sent four cabinet ministers and yeah. MPs, and, you know, we had an amazing convention yeah. that, you know, brought together people from the business community, young people. I mean, 60% of the attendees were young people. Yeah. But then we also want to continue the dialogue and the conversations through, you know, one or two big events annually and then mm. see how young people that have innovative ideas abroad, how those opportunities and inventions can be connected back home. You know, yeah, my co-founder Joris created a company called Made in Rwanda online. Yeah. And he moved it's, back home now, He moved right? back to Rwanda. Yeah. I started a business consulting company on the side. So I advise Canadian businesses that want to operate in Rwanda or across Africa. Nice. In mm-hmm. Kenya, in name it. We have other young people from Edmonton that started businesses and inspiring other young people to start thinking about doing yeah. that. Yeah, for sure. Um, so iRide was pretty much born out of, uh, you know, I guess being inspired and saying, what can I do to my country? And seeing what the inspiring things and the leadership were doing and the willingness to actually engage the youth and not use us as a talk. Yeah. And yeah, there you go. That's amazing. Oh, wow. Okay. So what's your advice to young people? Like you said earlier when we were talking that you encourage people to sort of just go for it, you know, like do what you're passionate about. And I think that consistency is another theme that came out through this conversation because yes. I feel like everything that has happened for you is because you did something and then you just kept going. And then, like you said, things kind of, it evolved into more than you thought it would ever be, but it's because you had remained consistent in pursuing what you were interested in. What other sort of advice or lessons have you gained from the past few years? Yeah, thank you, Michaela. I think the biggest lesson for me is you need to believe in yourself. Mm. I know it sounds like a cliche, but it actually... No, but it's really hard. It's really hard. And it's very <laughs> tough, actually. That, that was my next point yeah and it really goes through cycles i'm not saying i am constantly on on the top i mean i go through lows and trust me i do and you know sometimes you create something and and you're not seeing the end you sometimes fall into places that you never thought and the reaction that we get is, you know, I want to give up. Yeah. Right? There are some businesses that have wanted to begin. Yeah. They haven't picked up. Yeah. Trust <laughs> right? me, I, I totally know how you feel. Right? So, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I haven't really been this kind of guy who begins everything and they are completely successful. Yeah. But I also believe we can learn a lot from the failures that yeah. we do encounter because if you look at it not just today but look at it in the long term the different phases the highs and the lows and the wins and the losses if you look at it say in in a five-year intervals and say okay so in the last five years i've had three losses and two wins Maybe the two wins that you had, the three losses had something to do with, or vice versa. Mm, okay. So that could help you in the next phase. Yeah, it's true. And saying, you know, mm, 
I lost maybe because, you know, I never created a team that was cohesive enough. Yeah. I failed because I did not communicate the message in this particular way and not in the other particular way. Mm. I remember within the International Rwanda Youth for Development, I mean, there are some of the programs and some of the activities that we have wanted to have yeah. that never ended up happening. And the issues were, you know, communication, issues with maybe not thinking about a particular aspect of the, the project. Mm. And now those lessons have been used to launch the event in Europe, the event that's, that's awesome. happening in, in May of this year. Mm-hmm. So for me, I look at it in the long term. I mean, immediately a loss feels extremely horrible. It's a loss. Yes, and it, yeah. it affects our self-esteem. It makes us not believe in ourselves. Mm. But trust me, even the most successful people on this planet fail and fail miserably. What yeah. you see on TV, in the news, that's just a tip of the iceberg. What's below is extremely discouraging. And yeah, it's absolutely. True. So, number one, believe in yourself. Understand that it's not easy. Nothing is easy. Sometimes it is easy, especially, say, if you're born into maybe a family that has access to things that other people don't have access to. I mean, it's probably going to be easier for you than other people. I mean, I've had some of my law school friends complain, oh, you know, when I started my law firm, my dad only gave me $500,000 instead of a million. His father gave him $2 million. And then I'm like, oh, my God, I've never seen $1 million. I'm still waiting for that money. (laughs) <laughs> like I mean, different problems. <laughs> for them, it's a challenge because on the dinner table they hear about you know their companies making a billion dollars. Yeah, exactly. For them, five hundred thousand dollars is yeah. probably not a lot in the lifestyle that they are used to. Yeah. Absolutely. So some of these things really are relative. You, I can't compare my situation as Moses to Michaela's yeah. situation. Yeah, for sure. X. Why is this situation? So we need to reevaluate ourselves, look mm. at the context that we do find ourselves in and build from what we have. And we can use what we have, however little, to get a lot of what we don't have. <laughs> and along the way, we are helping people, we are being happy, we are creating change, yeah. inspiring other people. And just living life to the fullest. I mean, who wants to leave regretting about the things they never did? I'd rather regret about the things that I started and I failed, and hopefully I learned a lesson from them, than the things I never started. I mean, that's very true. So believing in yourself and then moving into action. I mean, do. Just (laughs) go ahead and do it. Then fail a thousand times. I mean, I'm talking about two, three, but, you know, I've I've heard about people who fail thousands of times. And they end up, some give up, but there are some who actually persist and and things work out in the end. I think ultimately we are going to fail, man. I just, those years where I just felt like I just kept taking loss after loss after loss. And I was like, God, this is supposed to stop at one point. (laughs) Absolutely. You know. The job, you know, <laughs> happen and then no follow-up call, you know. Oh, you know, God. Those are the losses. But, <laughs> but the losses do go, uh, yeah, yeah, thank God. Like, we do move on. And then I think yes. what you said that's important is actually taking the time to reflect and see, okay, what did I learn from this? And what can I use going forward? How can I adjust what my strategy was or change? Absolutely. <laughs> Actually, and maybe not even being afraid of changing directions completely. Absolutely. You can take another road, and that road will probably lead you to beautiful things. But I think that also actually it requires also some humility, yeah? Cause it does. <laughs> you have to be humble. Yeah, like you cannot let your ego get to your head or like uh, get caught up in your own mind because then you're not going to be able to make the changes that you need, right? Also what you said about the team, because 
I realized part of my problems were, were I didn't have it necessarily like a strong team around me. And it's so funny because yes. I read this quote that said, uh, was it a quote? Was it a Bible verse? Maybe it was like in the sermon. But it, uh, somebody was basically saying that if your dream is big enough that you can do it by yourself, then it's not big enough. You're Absolutely. Not you need people. Because you should not be able to do what you want to do just by yourself. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that's what I'm practicing. That's what I'm trying to practice this year. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. I think you're on the right track. I mean, even <laughs> hosting the podcast for me is, is quite it's been inspiring. Because, I mean, it requires you to plan, yeah. do some research, and uh, keep working. It, it's not easy. I know, man. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> is there something that we missed that you wanted to talk about or anything else? You know, I'm encouraging you to keep doing what you're doing. Um, I know you sing undergrad and you were one of those people that inspired me. I remember you did a lot of work with, uh, with the McGill African Students uh, Society, which is, by the way, still going strong. Yeah, I they participated are. In, the, um, in the conference uh, this year. And yeah, and I, I was looking back, I'm like, yeah, it's because of people like uh, Michaela, Canel. Oh, thank you. I remember there is Christelle, who yeah. is also with the Miguel Black Alumni Association. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I mean, uh, seeing young people from Rwanda, Africa, beyond doing things, I mean, it's, it's quite inspiring. So as much as anything, I am inspired by you and I learned a lot from see you guys do what you do thank you Moses me too man I want to be like you when I grow up (laughs) (laughs) what did you think of the conversation that you just heard don't hesitate to leave us comments on the Facebook group or on the website radaligmoire.com as the old adage goes sharing is caring so if you enjoyed it please share it with your friends like and subscribe Until next time, keep striving, keep thriving, and keep shining.